you people in for a treat. Ooh, this is going to be a damn good episode. So welcome to Dilly Interviews Everyone, the show where I interview who I want to interview to bring you fun, interesting content for your listening pleasure. So uh, let's get this started. Uh, who are you and how the hell do you know me? Buckle up, motherfuckers, because we're about to go on a wild journey. Hey, guys, it's me, Trip. Um, I met Dylan, a.k.a. Dylan Leroy Higgins, a.k.a. Dilly, a.k.a. MC Lunchbox. Um, good Lord, years ago. Uh, Dilly is probably my oldest buddy, oldest friend that I can remember. Um, but we met back in the heyday of the DFW, the Dallas-Fort Worth music scene, just through shows, uh, mutual acquaintances. And uh, the earliest memory that I have of Dilly, uh, we were at a show. It was at the Cleburne Skating Rink, of all places. And uh, I remember hearing about this this mythical person, uh, just this in this insane dude. He was in this crazy band. Uh, the band was Chuck Norris, the band, and uh, just hearing about all this this crazy shenanigans that always took place at all the shows. So hey, you talking shit, motherfucker! I'll fucking destroy your world. <laughs> what are you gonna do about it, old man? <laughs> you want some goldfish and tomato soup? Cause I'll make it for you. So anyway, we're walking in, we're saying hey to, to everybody, uh, just doing the thing. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I just hear, it, it was something, I don't know if this was verbatim, but it was something to the tune of uh, Jesus Loves Abortions, and this is Chuck Norris, the band. And I lost it. I remember just being like, what the fuck is going on? And just cracking up. And uh, ever since then, I was like, this guy's going to be my friend. He's hilarious. And uh, we've been on some wild journeys, some crazy adventures that I uh, may hear about in this episode to come, but uh, wouldn't trade any of it for the world. Cleburne Skating. Chuck Norris, the band, played with a band called Fashions Fade. They were like screamo dreamo core with some singing, but uh, yeah, man. Cleburne Skating Rink. Chuck Norris, the band, plays. We play with Fashions Fade. There's these like tiny kids who are just playing this hilarious music. It was cool at the time for sure, but thinking about it now, you know, <laughs> it's pretty hilarious, but... What's up on Trip is the bass player of Fashion's Fade, and he's like, got a biscuit-headed emo haircut, tiny, tight women's capri, has absolutely no idea how to play the bass, but he's killing it, and he looks cool as hell doing it, and everybody loves him. And they go on, like, you gotta, these skate rink and skate park shows, my band would get banned from all, like, from so many shows for just being offensive and trying to, we, that was the goal, like, I was MC Lunchbox in Chuck Norris, the band, and the goal of it all was just to create something uncomfortable, to piss people off, to fuck with people, to to make people think that we're these, like, crazy fucking rock stars that they haven't fucking heard about. Just, I was, like, 16 when I was in Chuck Norris, the band, and everybody else in the band was quite a bit older than me, and they just would always egg me on to do crazy shit, and I would do crazy shit. The Granberry uh, 
the country honky-tonk venue that would let us throw metal and screamo and whatever shows like once a month. Tyler was doing it for a little bit and then I took it over and I remember Jack Grubel was the guy's name and he was this really this older gentleman and uh, started working that venue and booking the shows there and bringing bands in and stuff and uh, he loved working with me he, he would always tell me you know I love you as a businessman but I hate you as a performer and he was actually uh, I got to know him a little bit through doing the shows and I would always piss him off when my band would play. One time we smashed pumpkins during a Halloween show and pieces of pumpkin went everywhere and he was like, you're gonna stay here and clean that shit out the carpet? That's expensive. You got, I told you I knew when I saw those pumpkins coming in that was gonna be trouble. And I, I felt bad. He was a great guy, but he was actually a legendary drummer. He was the drummer for Dolly Parton and he also was Boots Randolph drummer and anytime you hear yakety sax that's actually him playing the drums on that song and he would always tell me about his random yakety sax uh royalty checks and stuff but those shows at that venue where we did dr acula and we did i wrestled a I brought i wrestled a bear once there one time with like one day notice and not that many kids showed up and then uh the singer at the time was super pissed and grumpy and was just like, uh, we don't want to play. And then they just like sold merch to the like 20 kids, 30 kids that I brought out for that show on one day's notice. They sold merch to them, got their money and then left and played show at all. And Jack was all, well, what the hell? Why are they leaving? And that was like the worst show we did too, but one of like the better bands that came to that. Oh man, you were taking me down memory lane right now uh side note i can in fact confirm embarrassingly enough uh i did have a stupid uh swooped haircut uh the girl jeans and very reminiscent of the that early 2000s punk hardcore screamo whatever you want to call it era um i i fit the bill that was that was me uh i did not know that I, I think unless I'm getting these confused with other venues uh, were you referring to cruisins there because I do remember that venue and uh, that was a, a good little time we had random bands some hometown heroes I just remember at that time we were all just some punk ass kids and it was crazy uh, that we got at that time they were a a bigger or a, a touring band to come to our small little podunk town of Granbury Texas uh, population like six to five thousand six thousand people uh, and it was cool to get bands at that time like that uh to come through our town and it was it was pretty cool so uh good times uh good times there i did not know that about jack uh that's kind of crazy and especially to hear it all these years later pretty wild honestly jack didn't own cruisins though the venue i'm talking about is it used to be area 51 or area 71 it was an arcade and it was a few things 
After that, it was down uh, Highway 71 in Granbury. It was a big metal warehouse looking thing. Cruisins, which I booked a bunch of shows there. I booked Shat at Cruisins. Shat wears dildos on their body and has a, dr a dildo on a drill that spins and their songs are crazy offensive. I was a teenager and I totally booked Shat at fucking Cruisins and Ted was the guy that ran Cruisins. Short buzz cut thing and a, a skinny dark mustache and he uh jack was like would just go 50 50 deals with me but tad would always hustle and then after he already made a deal would be like yeah but i'm gonna take a little bit off the top but just just because you know just because i take a little bit off the top uh, it, it was kind of a slow night i didn't sell too many shoulders didn't sell too many peanuts you know fuck you ted you're just fucking ripping me off because you know i'm a kid who's fucking looking stupid as loud music shows i remember y'all had some great ones at cruisins peach cake play radio play josephine collective those josephine collective shows would go off those are so awesome oh man Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember Area 51. And speaking of Josephine, great tech and teen. I hope you're listening to this because I remember Area 51. Uh, I believe it was a fashions fade show. And uh, I was like, oh, I'm going to take my little brother, you know, I'm kind of kind of get him into this world and, and show him, you know, punk rock. And I remember walking into Area 51. Uh, I, I want to say Josephine was playing or somebody was playing. And I, my little brother's tagging along behind me, nervous, scared. And great tech and teen is in the middle of the pit with a fucking baseball bat and i remember turning around my brother saw it too and he was terrified he was like where did you bring me what's going on why is this guy hitting people with a baseball bat in the middle of the pit and i just thought it was fucking wild and hilarious and crazy and i remember shat uh jeff wood just crazy dude shat was a crazy band just uh shock rock in your face just over the top insane i remember we were on a, i think mayhem fest one year and uh, jeff wood came out to a show and you had introduced us and uh for a guy that wears a, a dildo suit and has done some crazy shit on stage he just absolutely lost his mind when uh he saw my third nipple and he just couldn't believe leave that and that was a, a pretty funny uh, first encounter as well. Dude, I forgot until this moment, I forgot about Peach Cake. That was just a, a crazy band of that time. I think they were ahead of their time and just had crazy fun shows and play radio play too. Um, man, there were some good bands that come out of that time, that era in Josephine. The coolest shows. I remember being, you know, at a youth and adolescent and seeing this band, Josephine Collective from Kansas. Uh, and they would come to Texas every now and then and they just had the, the funnest shows and whatever venue we were in would always just be packed and everyone was having a good time and yeah it was just uh it was awesome that was definitely at the theater that i'm talking about the josephine show when gray had a bat josephine had picked up a hitchhiker guy he had brought an entire like bible or something of acid like a, a giant amount of acid and he like took it all before that granberry show and had a freak out and was like grabbing at people and going crazy and i remember he was like trying to take that bat from gray and uh i like 
got him in a chokehold and drug him out of the venue. And then he went and tried to attack some other kids in the parking lot. And then I remember going back out there and he was all bloody and in handcuffs. So goddamn, we're only on talking about cranberry shows. This is probably gonna be a long episode. Who the fuck cares? Set us up, trip. Where are we going next? Oh, yeah, this could easily be a, a two- or three-parter kind of episode, but we'll, uh, I guess we can kind of navigate through. So I guess the natural progression of things, or at least from, from my memory of it, uh, we had the uh, the Granbury Skate Park shows, Cruise in the Area 51, etc. There's some Ridgely Theater in there with the Metal Fest. And then you had your um, a touring stint with Handshakes and High Fives, if I remember. I feel like roughly around this time is when Tyler and I we're both in uh, in college at UNT, so there's a little pause there, uh, but probably some overlap between when we had all met Inoc or did our first uh, warp tours in God 06, 07 maybe, uh, and that was kind of the catalyst for a lot of things. I mean, it launched uh, a bigger touring career for you, uh, which eventually led to being on the the entire tour with uh, Lars, which was pretty awesome. Awesome. And that was a that was a proud papa moment for me because uh, I remember that whole conversation or being in the in the bus and you getting the news and I, I was so stoked and uh, so that was it. So we got the Inoc Chronicles in there. We've got your stories from you know summers on Warp Tour. Then there, I guess it all kind of culminated came down to when we were both living in Austin together and getting into some rumbles <laughs> from time to time on Sixth Street or or wherever the hell we were. So uh, yeah, we got we got stories for days. Yes, I remember, definitely remember the night before the war where we met Inoc and that relationship started because the night before we were at Walmart getting a laminator to make fake Warp Tour passes so we could sneak in and sell shit and Inoc this Rasta dude saw us and was like, hey, these boys are hustlers and got us to come over there and help him with shit and yeah, it definitely set up a touring career for a lot of us for sure and uh, definitely wouldn't have been on Warp Tour at all in 2011 if it wasn't for you because we decided to just go to the Texas dates just to party and kill time before we had to go back on the road to work. You ended up getting me and you to be be able to go because it was San Antonio Warp Tour and that was the day that Lars pulled me up to rap and I had the seizure on stage and shit and as we were leaving I was going to get my car like we got told we could ride to California and get picked up by Arnock. Then Josh ended up driving my car back to DFW and we hopped on the bus with HK Army and the Bad Rabbits and lived on the bus with them for like two weeks and then I ended up you know getting the talk from Lars and MC Lars let me stay on that tour and do merch for him and shit. It was awesome. And then you ended up going back out to Mayhem, and that was a crazy summer. Those Bad Rabbits dudes are so cool. That, that was a good time. And uh, you know I'm a wrestling nut, so probably about two or three years ago, the Re Bad Rabbits were the WrestleMania theme song. So literally 20 times during any kind of wrestling thing going on, it would play it. If I tell you to jump and say how high, over and over and over over it was awesome i love telling or reminiscing on this story and not in like a gloaty kind of way but it was definitely the epitome of fake it till you make it 
And uh, many years later, after a couple summers on Warped and kind of uh, cultivating that relationship, I told Kevin that story of what happened. And uh, he wasn't stoked, he wasn't pissed, but it was good to finally say, you know, I've spent many summers on this tour because of that day. And um, it was true. We, we went to Walmart, bought a laminator, and we didn't make fake, I mean, they were they were laminates, but it wasn't like, you know, a bootleg warp Tour one. It was like the mischief agency, our little booking deal that we did. And uh, Tyler Marshall will tell you to this day, we walk into the gates early as hell in Dallas for warp Tour, and the security guard was like, I don't know what those are, but, but go ahead. And I also want to add, so we bought the laminator, made our laminates, and then either that night or the the morning of, we returned the laminator back to Walmart. And I can't remember, there was like a a pricing thing or or whatever it was. So let's say, you know, we bought it for 20 bucks, but when we returned it, uh, we ended up getting like 25 or 30 bucks, whatever it was. So uh, we used it, we made our our fake laminates and then ended up ahead uh, because of it. So I always thought that was equally hilarious. And that was pretty, you know, the rest is history. We we got into Warped. We uh, sold our little Mischief Agency uh, uh, t-shirts on, on a tiny little table corner in Inox booth. Uh, we sold necklaces and trinkets and, you know, stuff you see from the, the Rasta vendors from Warped Tour. If you've ever been on a Warped Tour, you know who we're talking about. And, um, yeah, after a couple summers of that and just doing Texas dates, it evolved into a full-blown uh, U.S. tour, whether is uh, the Rockstar Mayhem Fest or Uproar or, you know, whatever it was. And then you, Dylan, getting into um, MC Lars and slinging merch for the whole summer. And we got to link it in, in whatever, wherever we post this, but I'm pretty sure I have that seizure video on my YouTube channel and I'll still go back and watch it from time to time. And it's just comedy gold. I love it. Yeah, and uh, that night, that San Antonio night was actually kind of crazy because, you know, we did Dallas, Houston, San Antonio. Things could have just ended there. We partied, we had our fun, and, and that was that. But Steve Nobby from HK Army, uh, those three days that we were in Texas, uh, we were in the booth slinging some shirts, slinging some shorts, whatever. And, uh, um, that night, uh, I just asked Steve, I was like, hey man, you know, Dylan and I, we've, we're we're doing Mayhem Tour and it picks up in California. We're headed that way. I think we had like, I don't know what, New Met Albuquerque and Phoenix or Tempe or something like that. And then Ventura, a couple other dates in California. I was like, hey, you know, can we can we just hop on and, and ride along? And after some deliberation between Nobby and uh, the Bad Rabbits guys, um, there was a couple bunk spots, or I think it was just back lounge spots, uh, and we made our way from San Antonio to California, and that was that. Oh, yeah. Tyler was super important to all of it because that dude just had such big balls and no fear, no fear at all, to the point that it was so cool that we were influenced by it and maybe intimidated by it so we had to step up our game and it helped getting in there and making shit happen just like flow perfectly and shout out to steve man that bus and just how even after you left to go to mayhem and i was still on warp that year but i was with lars you know the steve and the bad rabbits dudes they would always like come by and make sure i was good and check on 
around me and stuff, you know. It was a great time. Very, that was a very cool year. We met a lot of really good people and both of us set up, you know, awesome thing. Do, do you remember walking down the Vegas Strip with Johnny Craig, who's not the best person, but we were hanging out with him and walking down the Vegas Strip and out of nowhere he just like turns and steals a woman, an old lady that was in a wheelchair, and he just ran down the strip with her and her friends were like, hey, quit stealing her! And we just looked at each other like, what the fuck? Why did this guy just steal a lady? Oh, yeah, this uh, this story can't be told without mentioning Tyler Marshall. He uh, is instrumental to all of this, whether, you know, Tyler and I first met in high school, uh, we played football together, uh, he was, uh, how I got involved with Fashions Fade, uh, I think ultimately he is how I met you. Um, he's the one that cultivated the relationship with Inoc originally. Um, and even most recently, we were both at his wedding. So it's, uh, yeah, I can't tell the story without mentioning Tyler. Oh, I do, uh, I do recall that as cloudy as my memory is, I just remember that being so over the top and ridiculous. Like, it was almost like, did I just see that? Because that was insane. Yeah, that was, imagine just, you know, being on Warp Tour in the middle of the summer in Los Vegas in the desert, just hot as fuck all day, sweaty, gross, nasty. Uh, I think Steve or somebody from Bad Rabbits, they ended up getting a day room, so we, we packed up the booth. I think it was like a half day or something because the venue was at capacity and uh, weird hours and such, so we packed everything up. Uh, we got to the day room, got showered, got cleaned up. I remember that's the first time I hit uh, like an anti-grav bong and just being blazed out of my gourd the, the rest of the day. And we were still kids, man. I, I maybe, trying to think back, I maybe had been freshly 21 at this time or 2021, 20, somewhere around there. And I remember just going up and down the strip and uh, we were just invincible. I think we had, we were just uh, ripping through some beers, uh, walking down the street because that's a thing that you can do in Vegas, uh, getting those yard bombs or whatever the heck those are and just being pissed drunk wandering through losing money at the casinos and that was the thing the majority of people there were people from tour i mean you would just know and look and see some haggard looking dude uh or see somebody wearing a laminate like oh you're on tour you're on tour and then just running into scenarios where johnny craig just whipped this uh old lady in a wheelchair up and down the strip in the wheelchair and uh just yeah insanity and if i recall i I think we had almost missed bus call and it's not because you know we were just running late or or whatever maybe that was part of it but um i think they had moved the bus so we had gone back to the hotel and everybody was gone and then um get a call from steve like hey where the hell are you guys at and like oh we're looking for you guys we don't we know he's like oh well the bus is over here so we're running sprinting trying to finish our our drinks and get on the bus and on to the next town and that was that was vegas one thing got left out though right before when we were trying to get to the bus because we realized that we were late i remember we walked past a claw machine and there were uh lobsters in it so you could do like a lobster claw machine and i remember being like oh i gotta play that and you're like dude what the fuck are you gonna do with a lobster i'm like okay i'm wasted i'm like yeah you're right i don't need a lobster so then we're walking down the hallway of that casino to go to the bus and that rapper uh big b him and his crew walk past us and I go, Woo! Big B! And I remember this very clearly. He turns around and just gives me a giant punch 
to the stomach. Big P is a fucking wall of a goddamn man. He punched the shit out of me for some reason so hard in the stomach. I felt that for like a week after that my stomach hurt. I had two drinks in my hand and they went flying everywhere. Oh yeah, I completely forgot about that. And I don't know what provoked it either. We're just walking through the casino and I just remember you had both hands in the air like, ah, big, big. And then he was just walking nonchalant and then whoosh, just a punch to the gut. And <laughs> drinks went flying. I'm in disbelief, like, what, what just happened? What did I miss? And then everyone in the casino is looking around as if it was some mob fight or something. <laughs> and we're just cracking up. Little lo and behold, you're down there on the ground just wincing in pain. <laughs> also equally confused as what the hell just happened. And uh, yeah, that's the story of Big B punching you in the gut. Oh my God, dude. <laughs> that was insane, but... I was honestly like, dude, this guy's out to get me. This guy is going to fuck me up on this tour one of these days. And he actually ended up being really cool and showed me a lot of love at the end of the tour and told me to respect my hustle and stuff out there and gave me a bunch of merch and shit. So I'm, I'm, I'm cool with Big B. No, no, no big beef with Big B. It was actually really funny that he punched the shit out of me now that I think about it. Then I was just like, oh my god, this hurts. <laughs> Holy shit. Alright, I think that you are right that this is probably going to be to be a few parters as for the people out there listening to this shit maybe you don't know how i'm doing this but i am using facebook messenger and the voice chat button and doing this like voicemail style and then wait for each other to respond and then once i get all of it i will take all of these vocal files from this facebook chat and i'll mix them and edit it and cut out all the stupid shit make it sound cool and I'll put it out. I I don't think every episode is going to be like this. Some could be... Like, I think, Trip, next time we do this, it should probably just be a straight phone call so we can just vibe off of the conversation rather than, like, listening to that. And then It's cool. I, I think this is going to be a really fun and hilarious episode, but I am learning. And closing it out, I just, uh... Do you have anything you want to promote? Where can these people find you on social media? I saw that posted some LA tweet the other day that it just pop the fuck off old Twitter, Twitter famous trip. I also regret that I haven't pushed the fact you mentioned it once. I haven't even pushed the fact that you have three nipples. That's why your name is Trip. And I spent so many years on tour with you trying to get you to pierce the third nipple, and you never fucking would. One of these days, you're gonna pierce that goddamn thing. Oh yeah, we can definitely uh, spend some time and, and chop it up because these are things that we we experienced together. These are things that we did and laughed about years later and always reminisced. Uh, but never, never once, you know, wrote a blog about it or, or posted about it um but here we are in in 2020 and we've got things like podcasts that we can and talk about and and put it out for the world because i'm sure there's some people out there uh probably wouldn't believe half the shit we're saying but uh it definitely happened and uh there's some hilarity that ensues through all this so 
yeah, we'll definitely uh, pick up at another chapter, another time, and uh, keep the laughs coming in. So, uh, and then to <laughs> to add to that, uh, yes, I do have three nipples. I was born with this thing called supernumency. You can Google it. But yeah, that's a thing. And uh, amongst touring and, and traveling, doing these shows, uh, I met this girl named Nessa, uh, who is up in the Bay Area, San Francisco, who is a piercer. Uh, and I gave her my word that when that day, that fateful day comes, uh, she was going to be the one to pierce the third nipple. So we'll see. We'll, maybe we'll leave it up to the audience. Maybe uh, people listening, if you want to get that third nipple pierced and, uh, and post it on YouTube or other social media and to, to see it, I mean, we can make that happen. Just need some feedback from you guys on that one. I don't got my, uh, I will I will do some, some promotion here. Um, Mosh It Up Clothing, check it out. That's something I spent a, a lot of time on the road with. Uh, that's where I met some of my best friends. Actually, the 2011 Warp Tour, we were just discussing earlier that's when I met JP and uh, all those guys, the Mosh It Up crew, and uh, that's where we became friends, and, and that would uh, have been the catalyst for me spending three or four years on the road the entire year doing festivals, shows, Warp Tour, Mayhem, whatever. So another another cool thing there. So Mosh It Up Clothing, check us out on Instagram, moshitup.com. And since a, a good chunk of this um, podcast, we've discussed you know our time on the road or stuff that happened in shows or our career touring, uh, I guess this is also a good time to promote our mutual friend Frank uh, who is started a GoFundMe for a lot of the people uh, that are affected in the tour community because with this whole COVID-19 deal and, and tours being put on hold and, and a lot of people are out of work, stagehands, crew members uh, not just the uh, the bands themselves so uh, I think the, the link is for the nomads.org or something like that uh, but maybe if you guys listen and want to check that out donate you know a couple bucks out of your pocket to help the uh, touring community. Uh, that would be super sick. Uh, so yeah, that's all I got and uh, look forward to talking to you guys next time. Trip, 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 tripperson. You are the best, man. I am glad to call you a friend. This is a whole lot of fun. Definitely uh, got love for Mosh It Up. I know for sure a lot of our funny times were spent in the pit doing crazy shit, jumping on heads during Barrier Deads, me just picking you up and launching you in the air of some random city. That shit was goddamn crazy, and we will pick up another time. I honestly can't imagine what being in the touring industry right now would be like. I'm sure it's just full of stress, so please help anybody you can in these industries if they can't work. And thank you. Thank you for listening to Dilly Interviews, everyone. Woo!